Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl related. Welcome to the Sunday Fun Day Not So Fun Today, though, show. Now, I'm not going to be insanely negative, okay? If you exist in the social media realm, I'm pretty sure you've had enough negativity about what transpired in Manhattan, Kansas yesterday. Getting our teeth kicked in like that is just, it's its a new experience for a large portion of, of Cowboy fans, right? There's a good number of Cowboy fans that have been watching since the 70s, 80s, 90s that think Gundy can do no wrong, and he gets a free pass to do whatever he wants on a yearly basis, and, and it's just that, that part of the fan base is frustrating. It's annoyingly frustrating, right? I have been going to games since the early 90s. I've had season tickets uh, since 1997, all the way through high school, going into college. And I feel like that gives me a decent amount of backing to say that that old school fan base that is okay with Gundy doing whatever, whenever, however, year after year, needs to wake the crap up. Stop with this. It's okay when Gundy pisses games away crap. Stop with it. Just cut it out. The expectation should be 10 wins a year every single year. And it is annoying that, you know, Gundy does this consistently. Now, what I will say, this one is a little different. Right, I'm going to give Gundy like a quarter of a pass because this wasn't the traditional way that Gundy pisses games away. Right, the traditional way is he'll go too too conservative, too many field goals, too many punts, and it'll cost us a game or two a year every single year. Right, that's the Gundy that irritates me. This Gundy is it only half irritates me. Right, I appreciate that he at least let us know that he's partially well. Primarily to blame, I guess you could say, for changing the practice schedule, right? Gundy's stubbornness can be a blessing. It can be a curse. I think you can argue which side of the coin flips more often for him. But in this particular scenario, it's a little different, right? He changed practices, which he doesn't do. He's very stubborn. He likes to do things a set way. He likes to do things his way, right? And so he changed practice which is very uncharacteristic uh, due to all the injuries. And it didn't work out as planned, right? As we talked about yesterday, we look like we got outcoached, outmanned, outplayed, outhustled, and outschemed. Well, Gundy reiterated that sentiment to be almost precisely accurate, right? And then he begins to shed a little bit of light right? This is why we screwed up. I changed practice. Shouldn't have done that. Won't do it again. Why'd you change practice, coach? Oh, too many injuries. Thought I could get away with some stuff. What are the injuries? I ain't gonna talk about it. Well, what'd you adjust in practice? I ain't gonna talk about it. That's old school Gundy. Guys, we got for 15, 16 years, we got that Gundy that wouldn't talk about anything if it didn't pertain directly to the team we're playing or the team we just played, right? He never talked about uh, the depth chart, he never really talked about injuries. He never talked about game planning. He never talked about practicing. He was somebody that, yes, a very, very, very good coach. But he left a lot to be desired by the fan base. 
And I think that stuff like that limits your growth, right? Like, granted, there's some things that you want to keep within a locker room. Like, that's just a factual statement, right? But the more engaged you are with the fan base, the more miniature peek behind the curtain that you're at least alluding to giving opens up more fans. So I think, you know, Gundy's change from the 2020 COVID season um, was being more open and honest and upfront about all this stuff. And now he's, the last couple weeks, he's completely shut down again. So as a casual fan, right, what does that look like? What does it look like when he says that I changed practice because of injuries, but I ain't going to tell you anything else, right? That's our job. Guys, you come to this channel because we go more in depth than a lot of places, as we're going to do right now. So before I do that, though, I do want to throw a little uh, a little factoid out at you right now. If you're struggling to kind of manipulate your finances at the moment, then you need to do everything in your power to maximize whatever money you have. Right? Unfortunately, no matter what you do, the world still runs on gas. And you need as much help as you can at the gas pump. So do me a favor. Go download, download the Upside app for free. Use Locked On code to get yourself rocking and rolling $5 off your first $10 purchase. That is Upside. Download the Upside app right now for free using the promo code Locked On. Get yourself rocking and rolling in a good way in the fuel department, all right? Um, so, okay, so what are we going to break down? Well, if Gundy had to change practice, now there's probably a decent chunk of you that that have a pretty good understanding of how practice scheduling goes or played football for a significant amount of time. But there's some of you that are just casual fans that most likely did not. So I wanted to just, again, we're always peeling back little layers of the onion. What is a typical week of preparation look like for a, a collegiate athlete playing football. Sunday is the review day. That's where you kind of go over the film and you get grades back. Your coaches spend 15, 16 hours on Sunday grading. Uh, you only have to do a few hours, but that's your film study day, right? That's for you to see technique wise where you got manhandled, where you did wrong, where you did right. Where you switch to the wrong call on defense, where you switch to the right calls on defense, just you know that that stuff that's pertinent to what your eyeballs see on film, correlated to what your feet do on the field, right? Typically, most places you get a Monday off. I played at a small college, uh, so our Monday wasn't exactly off, um, but it's pretty pretty standard that Mondays are are, are the off day, okay? Tuesday, that's when you start dissecting your new opponent. Guys, most players, people, coaches don't dwell in the past, right? Your Sunday, Monday, that's your time to review, reflect, and, and figure out what you did wrong. But come Tuesday, it's time to move on to the next team, right? So Tuesday is when you're, you're again, you're dissecting what the other team likes to do, right? 
what is their preference? What kind of defense do they run? Uh, what kind of offense do they run? Do they go fast? When do they go fast? Is it certain times in the play clock? Is it certain uh, uh, sections of the field? And then you get your scout team on both sides of the ball to become a mirror image for the best of your ability to what the other team does, right? That's what your scout team is, is, is for. And that's why the more talent you have, the more depth you have, the more prepared you're going to be. Because if you have a really good scout team with a bunch of dudes that are going to be you know, big-time starters in the next few years, it just makes you better, right? With that knowledge and with all of the injuries, well, Gundy had to have changed some things, clearly. I mean, he said he did. So what could he have changed? Well... If you're depleted so much on injuries, then you don't have much of a scout team left, right? And if your numbers on your scout team go down because you have to put them now on the field to to contribute on the first team, second team, offense or defense, well, then that limits your capabilities to mirror what the other team can do, right? So uh, Tuesday is that day. Wednesday is when you kind of fine-tune the dissections of what you kind of put in Tuesday for, for the scout team. Uh, and then you go live, right? You start running your packages against what you think their packages are going to be based off of all of the film they've put forth through the entirety of the season. So you put your scout team in, like, a, let's say, um, if it, they're running a three-three-five defense, well, that's what you run your scout team as, right? And, and say so you have a Felix Ndike Uzama. So what you do is you put the biggest, baddest, best dude uh, on the scout team to be that guy. And he'll typically wear a different color jersey if you're trying to key on a specific dude that is so good. Like last year, uh, a lot of teams keyed off of Malcolm Rodriguez. So in scout team practice, they would have their biggest, baddest dude that they could physically possibly put on the scout team field to be Malcolm Rodriguez, essentially, right? The best linebacker. And that is very, very common. That's very standard. So if you don't have the pieces on scout team because you're having to put them over to play on the field, whether it be kickoff or punt or actually in the two deep, well, then that limits your preparation based off of what the other team does, right? And then so you, you jump into Thursday, Thursday is when you go over the fundamentals and the tendencies of the other teams. Um, And maybe you'll do some like short yardage situations, uh, onside kicks, red zone situations, two-point conversion situations. You work on situational awareness, i.e. if we get to their 35-yard line with under two minutes left, we're going to run these plays and we're going to try to score X amount of points, right? Sometimes you design plays to set yourself up for a field goal. Sometimes you design yourself up to to take fade routes, deep shots, crossing routes, underneath routes. But you practice those little things on Thursdays, right? Wednesdays, you're fine-tuned. Your scout team's got it good to go, and you go full speed live, right? All of your gear, cleats, shorts, hats, uh, pads, all of it. Wednesday, same thing. You're going fully live. Thursday, or Thursday, again, you're pretty live. Even though you're going over tendencies and situational awareness type stuff, you're still going live. Friday is your shell day, right? That's the day you do walkthroughs where you don't wear all your pads. You typically just throw on a helmet and your shoulder pads, 
right? You don't wear your lower stuff because it's it's a, a not even a thud day. It's less than a thud day. It's a walkthrough day, right? And this is your typical week of preparation. So we've already talked about how being depleted on injuries significantly affects Tuesday's practice because Tuesday's practice is trying to get that scout team to mirror what the other team does, both offensively and defensively, right? And then Wednesday, you're going really hard at it. Thursday, you're going really hard at it. It's a little bit more controlled, but you're still going full speed when you are working on those specific things. And then Friday's your walkthrough day. So what could he have changed significantly that deviated from his traditional practice uh, schedule that equaled the production that we saw in the field? Again, it starts with that Tuesday, right? The fine-tuning of Wednesday. Guys, we made a video, I don't know if it was, what, last Tuesday, I think? And we had discussed how Gundy was openly very confident that Adrian Martinez was going to play. And we were discussing how, even if he is that confident, regardless... There should be some preparation for Will Howard because our deficiencies were going to be all of our young guys in the back end of the defense. So what were they going to try to exploit? Most likely the back end of the defense. This isn't, this isn't rocket science, you know? But it sounds like we prepared the wrong way at the wrong time with the wrong dudes. I can't say for certain if we actually put preparation into, into Adrian Martinez or Will Howard or both. But I think that it's safe to say, based off of just how things transpired, we were not prepared for Will Howard. We were not prepared for that passing game. One little thing that they did, which we kind of covered yesterday, but I'll go just a little bit more in depth to help you visualize... Um, when you're playing wide receiver and you're doing these called, we call them rub routes or pick routes, which a pick route, rub route, they're technically kind of illegal, right? You can't physically block off uh, the defender from, you know, progressing, right? But you can run your route so close together at certain sections on the field that you know a defender is going to be there and you know that he's going to have a couple seconds of trailing, right? He's going to get frozen for a couple seconds just due to how many bodies are crossing at the same time. Well, you traditionally do this down on the goal line, red zone, short yardage situations, and you're just, you're trying to get three, four, five, six yards. That's typically when you run those little, those little rub routes. Okay. What K-State was doing was they were running a scissors concept, which is pretty much the same exact thing, but further down the field. Right? So if you have a scissors route, you have, let's say, a flag on one side and a post on, on the slot side. Right? So you guys are going to cross. It's just naturally designed to put the defense in a precarious situation. Well, what K-State was doing was they were doing that 8 to 10 yards upfield. So even if our DBs are expecting a crossing route or a rub route or, or a distractionary route underneath or over the top, even if they're expecting it, they're not expecting it 8 to 10 yards down the field, right? After your quarterback or your defensive back gets his hips flipped and diagnoses what route concepts most likely coming his way, it's typically not that far down downfield. So kudos to Colin Klein. Y'all better pay that man. Hey, State, you better pay Chris Kleiman. Yes, I caught heat a couple weeks ago. 
uh, for saying that I thought Kleiman was a better coach than Gundy. I still think that. I'm I'm not not going to think that because Chris Kleiman doesn't have a problem adjusting. The end of the first half, what did they do? They kept their foot on our throat over and over and over and over. They didn't settle for field goals. They didn't settle for punts. They kept the foot on the gas, which is something Gundy does not do. It almost cost us the Baylor game, almost cost us Tech game, did cost us TCU game, but this is different. We were just 100% not prepared in all facets of the game. Did we prepare for, did we put the preparation in on Tuesday based off of Adrian Martinez's plan? It looks like it to me. And if you put your, 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 whatever, your preparation in together on Tuesday and then you fine tune it Wednesday and you're going live and then you do the little fundamental things on Thursdays and then on Thursday you decide, hey guys, you know what? Maybe I was wrong. Maybe Adrian Martinez won't play. We don't have a lot of time to prepare for Will Howard. So instead, what we're going to do is focus on film instead of going live. I would bet money that's that's what happened. Instead of your traditional Wednesday, Thursday, full-fledged, all-go, all-gas, no-breaks practices, we're not that at all. And you're going up against a team that you know, till the end of time regardless of record, will always be a team that's squared away in the trenches. Why does K-State find all these O-linemen that are successful? Why do we not have the capability of doing that? Dickey was a legend at K-State. And whoever they got right now under climbing doing it is going to be a legend. Or is it just a K-State thing? I don't know. That's hard to figure out. But that has been our Achilles heel for, for a long time. Forever it was depth, right? And then after depth, it was talent. And then after depth and talent, it was D-line. We never had the D-line. Well, we fixed all of those areas. But the only area that has kind of always got swept under the rug is O-line, dating back to even before Joe Wickline. The best O-line coach we probably had was Josh Henson. And he didn't. He, he stopped by for a cup of coffee and left. But... Our line has been a major issue the entire time that Gundy's been there. Gundy has recruited and corrected the issues that we used to have at D-line. He's corrected and recruited the issues we used to have at linebacker. The same thing we used to, well, we would get pretty good cornerbacks here and there, but safeties were never really a big calling card at O-State. So Gundy had sh- shifted recruiting, which successfully navigated those waters but the one area that just seems to never get fixed is o-line we never ever 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 have a dominant o-line and our dominant d-line didn't show up yesterday so was it again was it lack of preparation on the d-line part probably not it was probably lack of getting punched in the flipping mouth we practiced like we just were going to watch film, watch film, watch film, watch film, watch film, watch extra film, do extra Friday shell walkthroughs, and then out-talent K-State. That's what it looked like our game plan was. And then uh, adjustments. Okay, so before I hop into adjustments real quick, guys, you, you got to know my favorite sponsor by now is Built Bar. If you want a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, then there's really no other way to go. 
And right now, because it's, you know, happy October, January, we're going to hook you up. Locked on 15 code to get yourself 15% off. It's 15% off of your Built Bar. Best experience in your mouth that's not actually a candy bar. All right, y'all. Um, halftime adjustments. I think this is one of the biggest misconceptions as a fan base in football. I think most fans think that when you get back into the locker room for halftime, like it's just this mad scientist room where you get out the chalkboards and you, you get out the uh, the dry erase boards and you go to, go to work. There is some of that. But you also have to realize that we're just regular dudes, right? We got to go to the restroom and drink water and do all that fun stuff just like everybody else. So what are the first five minutes of, the, of halftime? You're just trying to, uh, in the military, they, they say it's your three S's. You're... Yeah, uh, shiz, shower, and shave, right? Those are your three S's. That's basically what you get in the locker room. You got to get your IVs, you, get new, you got to get taped up again, figure out your injuries, go to the restroom, and then you have your coaches that do the same things, and then your coaches spend four or five, six minutes talking together about, okay, what went wrong? How, how do we fix this? Do we have time to fix this? And then they go to the players. And then you got five or six minutes with the players on dry erase boards and stuff like that explaining the the nuances of the game that we may have missed and how we adjust. And our adjustments this year have been pretty good, right? And the Texas halftime adjustment was a masterful job. It, that, I'll, I'll give credit where credit's due. Derek Mason's halftime adjustments look like Jim Knowles. That is why Jim Knowles is getting big boy bank accounts for Ohio State because his halftime adjustments were phenomenal. How did he make those adjustments in three, four, five, six minutes? I don't know. I really don't. He's a mad scientist. Um... But I, I just wanted to dispel that myth that people think that you can go into halftime and fix a bunch of things. Typically, you can't. There's not a whole lot you can adjust at halftime to make a massive difference. Um, there are outlier situations like the Texas game and like some of the, the adjustments that Jim Knowles can make in the second half. But just so you guys know that it's, it's, it is a mad scramble, but it's a mad scramble to get a bunch of stuff done. Right? Get, get retaped. If you've got some some injuries, get IVs. If you're a little bit dehydrated, go to the daggone restroom. And, you know, it just, I wanted to dispel that myth that you can make a crap ton of adjustments at halftime because you can't. It's just, there's not enough time to, to, to regurgitate enough information for it to be successful and then applicable for them stepping on the field. All right. The last thing I really wanted to, to, to get into Okay, so another thing that I noticed in Gunny's interviews. He mentioned, um, A, Spencer Sanders. And this is why I say is his accountability slightly hypocritical. He sits here and he takes accountability and, and basically just lets you know that they weren't prepared, they weren't coached right, they weren't schemed right. It's just It was just the worst coaching performance of his career, collectively. And it's because of the deviation of practice. Which goes to show that no matter if you're on your fourth string, fifth string, first string, ninth string, you've still got to do your thing your way. And but you, I mean, I get it. You have to find a way to try to conserve the the healthy players you have. But it's just wrong place, wrong time. We knew that was going to be a fist fight because that's what it is. Every single time you go to Manhattan, it's a fist fight every time. Every single time. And it's usually a massive fist fight in the trenches. And both 
of our trenches got absolutely demolished. Our defensive line looked, I don't, I don't know, uninspired maybe. Um, our, our defensive backs were confused by some of the route combinations that K-State was throwing at them. The defensive backs were confused by this you know, kid that a lot of K-State fans wanted to run out of campus two years ago. Guys, K-State is probably the most hated on Big 12 quarterback in the last five years. Seth Day, he at West Virginia caught a lot of flack too, but he he is probably the most hated. I jumped on a, a Kansas State live stream last night, and I think a lot of K-State fans agree they wanted Will Howard gone. They thought he was a waste of space that was taking up oxygen for no daggone reason. It's beautiful to see people like him and Max Duggan stick around and prove people wrong. I think that does indicate some of the progress the Big 12 has over other over places is we do seem to be able to retain some of these kids that just care that deeply about the university. And that matters, right? You got all these kids going to Texas and Texas A&M. They're going to they're gonna grab a bag of cash and then transfer the next year to actually start their four-year college career. Mark my words, that's <laughs> it's already happening. So the money, you can't just throw money at stuff and, and it solves problems. I think that's something that's been evident over... A large portion of time. You know what I mean? But how can he hold himself accountable? And then in the same breath talk about Spencer Sanders being injured. He was asked, right, by a reporter who, how dare they do their job, was, was you know, the extent of his injury. And if he was, you know, that injured coming into the game. He's, of Gundy, of course, his new, um, brought back, I'm not saying crap about anything. Over the last two weeks, Gundy appeared. And he's like, well, I'm not going to talk about it. Except for Spencer said that he wanted to play. And so that's what it was. That was his that was his flipping statement, y'all. Spencer Sanders said that he wanted to play and he's ready to go. So he's earned that right. <sighs> Spencer Sanders has earned a lot. Spencer Sanders is arguably, not arguably, he's easily top five greatest Cowboy quarterbacks in the history of the program. Possibly, probably even top three for being for being real. But your job as a flipping CEO is to manage situations. So if your freaking quarterback comes to you and you know that he's a tough as nails Iron Man, that's great. But if you know that you've had to scale back practice for him and the entire team for an entire week, two weeks now when you count Spencer missing an entire week a couple weeks ago, you have to put your foot in the ground as a CEO and be like, dude, I love you, right? There's going to be plaques and paintings and pictures of you in the hallways of Galgaraba and in Bo- Boompicking Stadium forever. But you, you're probably too banged up to give us the best chance to win this one, bud. So why don't we just get prepared this week for... I don't know, K-State using two quarterbacks. Why don't we get prepared this week for, oh, I don't know, possibly using two quarterbacks? We didn't do that, guys. We did not prepare for two quarterbacks at K-State. There's no way that you can say we did. We prepared terribly for K-State. And then K-State also had a few new schematic wrinkles to throw at us that we obviously weren't prepared for. It was just, don't sunshine pump it. Don't hold yourself accountable 
but then also say that you failed as a CEO to do your job and put the players on the field that needed to be on the field. This, this mixture of I play seniors who gutted out for four or five years in Stillwater over maybe a more talented freshman, that's cool, but it has to have a stopping point, right? There's got to be a point where you hit the button that, sa- that, that, that says this isn't going to work. Like, ah, everybody loves the toughness of Spencer, but this is just too much. Dickie's got to go. McIndoo's got to go. There hasn't been a Cowboy back, which is our version of a tight end, that he has recruited, that has played games, that has stayed on campus, that has caught a touchdown. Not a single solitary one. Dickey can't recruit. He can't develop. He can't retain the same as he could at K-State. Something's not working. you got to make some changes. Dickey's got to go and McIndoo's got to go. We have to have a tight end someday instead of converting a 6-7 quarterback to tight end just to watch him go to Virginia and dominate and become a really high draft pick. So these fan bases, I've heard some fans saying McIndoo's not a problem. You're wrong. He's a massive problem. He has done absolutely nothing productive in his time in Stillwater. Every single year he loses the people he recruits and has to steal a defensive end to become a tight end. Every single year. It's ridiculous. It was a rough day for me as well. I did win some money on Louisville and Notre Dame, so that was fun. But this is only the second time this year we've evened our picks. I went 12-12 and on my picks yesterday. Not good. I think two weeks ago I went 8-8, eight and 9-9, eight, and nine, something like that. So this is the second time this has happened. Um, yeah, you see, I, I, I picked a pretty few, a few pretty big upsets, but I also... He also didn't have the greatest day. So I'll do some more research. I'll make sure that my information is a little bit more high and tight. Uh, I apologize for going 12 and 12. I apologize for um, overestimating the, the the health of the team and the way that we prepare. Uh, that's on me. I'll make sure that I'm better in that department. But until, until tomorrow, uh, I haven't watched the film yet. I'll break down some more of the film stuff tomorrow for sure. But I just wanted to get this stuff out to you guys. Um, I love you all. God bless. Go Pokes. Sky ain't falling. How we recover from this uh, will be a very good indication on where the locker room sits. All right, guys.